0: what's up everyone i'm so excited to be back i know you missed us in the short seven days that you haven't heard us but don't worry dry your tears we are back with everybody's favorite podcast tv channeling annaling 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 thank you for providing the sound effects kevin you can't use those. Those are copyright of uh, TVTerror.
1: TV. <laughs> yes, they're copyright. <laughs> I'm yes. sure some people are are trying to grab it, but no, don't even our our our, our team of, of vulture lawyers will just shred you. Yes, don't even come for us.
0: All seven of them. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back to another week of fun and foolishness and hanging out with the crew. My name is Tachi, and my name is Kevin, and.
1: I, I am super psyched, Tachi super psyched. We could not be more super psyched together because we have an incredible guest. We have television show producer, TV reality show producer extraordinaire Troy Devald on the show again. So those of you stands of TV channeling, remember him. We did top five reality shows of all time and an epic interview with him. So check that out in our back catalog. But we have him back today and we're super excited because we're not only gonna interview him again and talk about what he's been up to lately, but we're gonna hear his top five shows of all time. Reality, non-reality, scripted, whatever. His top five favorite shows, we're going to count them down and get to know more about this extraordinary producer and Hollywood A-lister, as far as I'm concerned. So, let's get started, Taji.
0: He's a life A-lister. Troy, welcome back. It's good to be here. You are. Well, I don't so know. <laughs> excited. I'm, I'm so excited. That's my exact self intro. There
2: is. I'm so glad to be here. Like, well, you are. Okay. Our,
1: our first. Ret- you're our first returning guest. So that we are super thrilled that we did not scare you off with our, your last uh, visit to the show. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Exactly. Perfectly lovely. Oh, good, good. I'm glad you weren't like. I'm not going back to that damn show. So thank you so much for coming back. We're so happy to host you once again. Welcome to the house. Glad to be here. Fantastic. Uh, so we're going to get started. We there. You've probably been up to a lot, maybe even probably. I know you've been up to a lot since the last time you were here. So um, once again, would you introduce yourself and what you do to the audience who can't remember for some reason? And then tell us what you've been up to.
2: Sure. Uh, my name is Troy Devald I've been a reality television producer for 20 years this year. Holy cow. on 30 plus shows.
1: Holy cow. Wow.
2: Uh, I say holy cow because I can't believe it, not because you're supposed to be impressed by it. I am. Uh, oh, well, we are. Oh we are. <laughs> Your
1: IMDb page just like my head spins looking at it.
2: Exactly. I, I've, been, I've been very lucky to be a part of a lot of a lot of really great shows. My career started uh, back around 2000. I was on a show called MTV's Fear, and since then it's included stuff like The Osbournes, The Surreal Life, Dancing with the Stars, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, uh, Hollywood Game Night, and a lot of other stuff, like Paris Hilton's BFF Dubai, that doesn't sound quite as good when you rattle them off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to, to us, it sounds damn good. I don't know what you're talking about. That's, that's oh, right. my God.
1: And I'm sure she's still close to whoever she, whoever won that competition. I'm sure I, they're still I'm best quite, friends. I'm
2: quite sure. And actually, the show was a lot of fun. I, I, I did enjoy it.
0: So. Wow Wow Kevin do you mind if I ask a, a follow-up question sure so you've got all of this experience under your belt how how did you get into reality is it something that you just fell into or is this um you that's specifically what you were looking to get into
2: it was an absolute accident uh, many many years ago uh, when I was living in Tampa there's a guy named Cristo Garcia And Christo and I uh, worked together on a couple of things. He made some short films, uh, and I helped him on that. He moved to Los Angeles. When I moved to L.A. to become a screenwriter in 2000, i had had some interest in a screenplay somewhere and thought it was a great time to move. And uh, when I got there, I said, I was halfway across the country, and I said, geez, I'm going to need a day job when I'm there until this really takes off. And I saw his name go by on a... TV show that I was watching in the hotel room in Texas halfway across I-10. I was like, oh, my God, he's working in television. Like, I'll give him a call. And just so happened that MTV's fear was getting ready to go into a fairly long stretch of production post-production. And I was able to come on as a logger transcriptionist almost immediately after getting to Los Angeles wow and i've you know i I stayed very busy for uh for many years working for the same people uh the executive producer of that show was a guy named chris Abrego. chris Abrego is the guy that created the surreal life and uh is now like a a huge uh presence at endemol shine Mm -hmm. I, i forget his title but he is he's the top cat there um just got on at the same time as a lot of people that have really moved forward quickly. It was a good time to get in. It was like stepping into a pneumatic tube at the bank because you walk in as a any entry level position and a year later, boom, like you're a producer because there aren't <laughs> enough people producing reality TV in the middle of that boom. Mm. So I just was uh, was very fortunate and continue to be
1: fortunate.
0: Wow. 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 Kevin, you want to ask because you know I could keep going. Okay,
1: all right. Um, now, uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask is: You have been a part of so many incredible reality shows, but like you mentioned, there's been so many of them. If you had to list like three shows that you wish you could have been a part of but weren't, what would they be?
2: What would they be? The one, the ones that I really loved but wasn't part of.
1: Yeah, the reality uh, shows that you wish that like, why wasn't I one of the producers of that?
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I, the the number one always is is Anthony Bourdain's blank. Uh, <laughs> anything Anthony Bourdain worked on, I would have loved to have worked on. I would have loved to have worked on uh, Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe, because I think Mike Rowe is probably one of the greatest uh, reality show hosts in the history of time. Uh, he's just so likable, and there's not a phony bone in his body. He just looks like somebody that would be amazing to work with. mmm. Uh, and if I had to, if I had to go for a third, uh, anything that's run for 25 seasons, (laughs) (laughs) I, I was lucky enough to be part of dancing with the stars. And, uh, as we often do in this business, you know, something else came along after I'd done it for a couple seasons and I left and you know, that, that show talk about a family. I mean, it's just like people get on that show and just stay there forever. Um, and it's really it's it's really uh, one of the best production experiences I've ever had in my life. So I realize that's a show I worked on. But if it's a show I wish I worked on, I would have liked to have come back. I came I went back uh, and did season 19 for them a few years ago, which was like uh, going back to high school. It's like, how many oh, time, wow. How many how many chances in your life do you get to go back and work on something that just really feels like home?
1: Wow, so. that's a great answer. Okay, I have one other question in this kind of a adjacent. Now, uh, speaking of things that are very successful, like dancing with the stars, um, the bachelor uh, begat the bachelorette, uh, which begat bachelors in paradise. And now there is. Why does this
0: is... sound like a biblical story anyway? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we are recording this very near uh, you know, a uh, very holy time. So, you're right. And, anyway, so, um there is a new spin-off of The Bachelor. I can't even remember what the name of it is. It's something about it's basically the idea is it's songwriters that are um they have like uh male songwriters, female songwriters they're putting them together in a they're putting them in a, man, a bachelor mansion and there's hot tubs and guitars and I guess they find love while writing songs together or something. I was just curious about what you thought of that particular uh, 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 new kind of you know kid kid brother, kid sister of the original, and um, if there's any of the shows you worked on that there's a spinoff or another twist that you would like to basically do if you were to come back and produce something that you've done in the past, is there a spin on something that you'd like to know? I'd like to do a version of it like this.
2: Well, you know, it's funny. This is the first I'm hearing of that Bachelor spinoff with the songwriters. But I will tell you, in the the past, um, there are a lot of things that are very hard to do because they're not super visual. Uh, The creative process is not really visual. That's why anytime somebody comes to me, we're going to do like the world's next great novelist. And you're like, oh, what's that going to look like? You know, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a Zoom conference of people touching their faces while they type. <laughs> um, so if they figured out a way to crack that and make it interesting, uh, more power to them. Because I'm, I'm fascinated by songwriters. Uh, one of my very dear friends who passed away in December was a, was a very successful songwriter for years. And just that whole world fascinates me. Um, as far as something that I would want to revisit and do differently, I don't really know. I don't. Hmm. I haven't really th- thought about that adaptation. There's like, in my in my dreams, I think that there's a reality TV version of Clue, but I think Who Done It uh, already kind of took a run at that. I don't know if you remember that show uh, from a couple of years ago. It was sort of a bunch of people living in a house, and it was almost like Clue. They were just sort of solving murders as they happened every week.
0: Um, were they real murders? They were. They were not. <laughs>
1: Tachi, that, oh, yeah. that would be a that snuff film. It. No, they yeah, were. Exactly. <laughs> to... <laughs> and you know what's no. funny? The, the, pitch,
2: the pitch that always gets hung up in the room for me is the first 48 junior. I just, I keep, uh, I keep thinking that someday that will be a show where just children take a run at cold cases and see if their yeah. naivete huh. and innocence, innocence uh, opens them up to being able to solve the crimes
0: faster. I'm kidding. Why is there no laughter? This is <laughs> awful. There's no I'm first laughing 48 junior. I was no, well, no, but they, it wouldn't have to be about uh, murder. It could be about who stole my popsicles. Oh well, nobody would care. Though. Yeah, it would be like a no. Scooby
1: Doo kind of crime where it's always oh. smugglers, those kinds yeah. of crimes, and meddling Di- kids. diamonds, diamond thieves, or something like that. Um, exactly. Okay, it's actually uh, ba- uh, The Bachelor. Listen to your heart. Oh, God. oh my. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think the visual element is basically you have super hot people, hot tubs, and guitars, and so they're oh, like, "Oh, Let's the
2: songwriters m-. are all super hot."
1: Oh, well, then. shockingly, yes, they found well. the hottest songwriters, and they <laughs> uh, and they put them together shirtless, and they're having them like you know work on songs together, and I guess that they keep matching them up differently. So you work on a song with Christy in week one, week two you work on a song with Jessica, and so on, and at the end of it you're all like wait a minute i feel like we're in harmony
2: i'm only watching if paul williams is hosting
1: <laughs> oh, wow. uh, okay I'm i have famous. no idea who's hosting but i just thought it was I, I honestly thought they they could get no more milk out of the bachelor cow but they're like yeah we can so <laughs> i'm looking forward to bachelor bachelor uh, architect edition where they have two hot people work on a house design together so and if the prince likes every it he'll marry better them.
2: if it starts with the phrase two hot people
0: Every Say that again.
2: I said every pitch is better with the phrase, two hot people.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, two hot civil engineers. See if they yes. can build bridges to each other. Okay. You, oh, my God. God. <laughs> it's a bridge to love. There you go. Oh, bridge to love. <laughs> civil engineering. Tachi, we, should... we need to produce a reality show. We're so... We can do... <laughs> Troy, in our minds, we it's, think we can produce everything. It's because on the every we... channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We come up with the answers to... Uh, Hollywood's problems every episode, it seems. <laughs> unfortunately, they
1: don't listen to us. We give them, we solve their problems each and every week, but they're not listening. They're not listening.
2: But you know, I've, I've never gotten in a cab and had someone say, wait, I have a grid design for a lighting grid or a lighting schematic under my front seat. It's always I have an idea for a reality show.
1: Hmm. Well, because we're all living in reality, we're not all living on lighting design. That's the difference. We're all <laughs> we're all experiencing reality all around. There you go. you've
0: you've cracked it. You've that's
1: cracked it. why. That's the difference.
0: And see, that's why we need to produce a show. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my!
1: Again, I'm I'm looking forward to doing the Real House Dudes of uh the South Bay. So that's you know, I, you, I
2: I did want to do a parody of the Real Housewives, but use the the cast of Girls Will Be Girls and get just Jack Plotnick and. And uh, Coco Peru and Varla uh, hmm. Jean Merman, the the three greatest drag personalities ever, to just do like a, a Real Housewives of West Hollywood sort of thing. Oh, well. Sp- well, speaking
1: cool. speaking of uh, of a twist on original themes, I just saw uh, there is a new version because RuPaul does not have enough to do. There's going to be a celebrity edition of RuPaul's drag race with actual celebrities uh doing drag for the first time in public. But anyway, um so that's
0: <laughs> Gasoline Draws Kevin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm guessing if you decide to, b- to do drag uh, and on a TV show, my guess is that you've dabbled in makeup and tucking before. That would be my just just a hunch. So, um yeah, so there again, and, and anything that already exists, all you have to do is add the word celebrity to it and then it's, yeah. it's New,
2: well you know that's what they would do. i remember very clearly uh 20 years ago being in the hallway uh while i was working on fear and chris obrego was talking about possibly doing an episode of the show that had a boy band in it they're like well instead of five contestants we'll just have a boy band and we'll do like a celebrity version of it and i was like wow you know what a great what a great idea that would be to just do celebrity to do a celebrity versions of shows and he ended up building this whole celebrity reality empire so it was, I felt like I, was, I felt like I was there when the lights went on upstairs for that one.
0: Wow, and apparently it works. It works Although it works I don't know time. if I'm excited about a um, a celebrity drag version of. I, well, it I don't depends
2: know. on It depends on if they're if they're taking that rubber spatula to the bottom of the barrel or not when it, when it comes to celebrity.
0: Oh
1: my God, you know what? Troy, so, First of all, A, thank you again for being on the show, but thank you for saying that because sometimes the term celebrity, yeah. is used, used loosely. incredibly loosely. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know
2: what I... what The thing about reality television that I like so much is uh, reality television, when it manufactures its own celebrities, I always feel more invested in it. Like when I was watching... Like when I used to work on Flipping Out. Like I, I thought that Jenny Pelosi and Jeff Lewis were amazing. The whole cast was incredible. And they were all people who had not previously done reality. I mean, Jenny was an actress um but god that show was amazing just to get to discover those characters and feel like you were part of that evolution of whoever they were on television and i don't feel like we get that as much anymore well you know what
1: that was actually one of the better spinoffs i think they had the show design therapy which was actually really really good i don't know how to me it i it spoke to the talent of the producers because a they talked their way into people's houses a lot of people that actually had money they talked their way into their houses and letting them have free reign and letting jeff lewis be jeff lewis all over them um but then they would always manage to have some kind of heartfelt moment where they would basically like the reason why we haven't redecorated this room is because my my wife did it, and she had cancer, and I couldn't let it go until now. Thank you, Jeff. I'm like, how week in, week out, they had these tearful confessions about the fact that the reason why they hadn't changed the refrigerator, it was always involved with somebody's death. My great-grandma, this was her refrigerator, and I wasn't able to let it go, Jeff, because of you. We have a new refrigerator. I'm like, every week they managed to get that out of them. I don't know how they. That yeah, that, I, is that is talent.
2: I have my own Jeff Lewis trauma. I heard him. I heard him say once when he was looking at a ho- at a house. He goes, you know, I think most people don't know it, but they live in absolute filth. So mm. every, every time I look at my desk and there's like the empty bowl of pasta from 20 minutes ago sitting on the edge of the desk or there's just a thin layer of dust over the computer or something like that. I just hear Jeff Lewis's voice chiding me from, from the ether. I think most people live in filth when they just don't know it.
0: well the sad part
1: is some of us do know you know and it's not they don't it's not a a thin layer of dust so i i i I admire you for that so
0: yeah i
2: I, I live i live like an english professor who has not yet made tenure that's kind of that's my my design
0: aesthetic okay i know that one so you've got a lot of books then well you
1: need to you need to bring jeff in for some design therapy (laughs)
0: So you'll
1: end up crying, but in the end, your living room will be fabulous.
0: Exactly. (laughs) So um, as we're crying with therapy, I I do have um, something to ask you. That's a little bit current in terms of what you're seeing in terms of the last landscape. We're all sequestered now. And I kind of want to know uh, what you're seeing in terms of the landscape of uh, the future of quote television in Hollywood, future of reality television, I guess, more specifically, and then how all of this is going to change reality television
2: Well, you know I think it's it's funny but my my prediction based on I mean I was around for 9/11 uh, I had just gotten into the business and uh, the the knee-jerk reaction was America has had too much reality already we're just gonna we're just gonna stop making these shows we're gonna take a break and take a breather and it's like you know, in in any stressful time, if you look at the the '30s and '40s, like there was a ton of film production going on. There was lots and lots of stuff happening. Right. And I think when we start shutting ourselves down because we're trying to second guess what the audiences want, I think what you're going to end up having is once this is over, uh, you're going to have a awful lot of uh, sort of feel good shows because that's what people think people want, uh, rather than pure escape. They they, they want these sort of upbeat things. Um, They don't want to be stressed out. You know, that's what I I keep hearing this a lot. Um, Obviously, reality production uh, is taking a bit of a hit, but I think that anytime you come out of that period of stress, like with with uh, with 2001, um, we came back and there was a tremendous amount of production on the other side of it because people were, in fact, ready to watch television and to turn off the thinky-thinky um just for a little bit and be entertained so i I, I think that we're going to be very very busy here uh in the fall and winter towards the end of the year i don't know how long this thing is going to take i can tell you right now i just wrapped out on a show yesterday not yesterday uh monday um for hbo max that i was working on from home oh wow Um, the ability to work from home uh with software like Splashtop and other things like that a lot of shows that i think would have otherwise shut down Have just sort of splintered and the editors are working from home and people are working on their own there's nothing new going into the lens but most of the shows that were in production i think are going to get finished um so it's not a total stop down like it was before we had the technology to work from home 20 years ago
0: Mm, mm. okay so follow up to that speaking of working from home and then a lot of production so a do you think that we're going to, do you think you'll see more of that, people working independently from home, as opposed to, um, I mean, people already kind of worked independently, but do you think you'll see more of working from home because of this? Is this uh, set off a green light in in people's eyes? And B, what does this mean for opportunities for new people looking to get into the business? Will there be a lot of opportunity, do you think? Well, it's certainly certainly proven that people
2: can work from home. Okay. Because, you know, for me to get in a car and drive 22 miles to sit at a desk and do the same thing I could do in my underpants at home, (laughs) uh, you know, it's appealing. And I think that, you know, having to pay for less physical office space is probably appealing to production companies. I think that that's going to be a thing. I think it's going to be a little harder to get in the door um, just because I don't know how you hire someone new uh, to work from home. I mean, you probably come in, do an interview, and then go back and work. I I keep talking like the... This whole sequestering thing is going to,
0: you know, last forever. It won't last forever, but no, it, it certainly won't. But it will. Ha- you know what? We'll see. I think we're going to see repercussions longer than what people think. Longer than um, after everything is open and we're allowed to I, go back, we're still going to feel some repercussions. So I think so. And I think yeah. it's going to
2: depend a lot on how much money uh, media companies are losing. I, I, I know. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of companies that do film, as well as television, and I think film is probably trying to figure its way around this whole disaster with not being able to put things in theaters. I think they're going to be counting their pennies in a way that they weren't before, Um, which may be good for television uh, because reality certainly is the least expensive, uh, you know, entertainment to produce out of almost anything.
0: Mm, That's true.
2: But I'm talking out of my can as I usually do when I pontificate about. You know the state of my industry. I I I only know the state of my industry between myself, my agent, my paychecks.
0: That's all that matters, though, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Wow, fantastic. Oh, Kevin, you have another question. I don't want to take up all the time.
1: Okay. Well, um, I wanted to ask uh, uh, if you want to share what you're working on right now, like the the thing you just mentioned. What's coming down the pike? Um, sure. Are there any shows that are basically in the hopper that are about to be coming out anytime soon, or is everything on hold?
2: Well, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's on hold. Uh, I just finished uh, one of the episodes for uh, HBO Max has a series called The Event that's following Wolfgang Puck as he does these massive events, um, and just sort of about the dynamics of his of Wolfgang Puck catering. Uh, It's really terrific. Uh, I I can't tell you too much about it outside of that. I I have a lot of faith that it's going to be a really great quality show. The guys that are making it are very bright. Um, And they're working in tandem with Renegade 83, who are the same people that did Surreal Life a zillion years ago. Um, So I I really have a lot of faith in that. Uh, As far as other things I'm working on, I'm, I'm mostly sort of dialing back uh from television i'm still working on the documentary remember we're not here that i've been talking about for the last three years right right got a few new interviews in before this whole COVID mess hit um had a great sit down uh with lee aronson who was the co-creator of two and a half men just about you know the industry and how it responds to reality and nonfiction television
1: and okay more, uh, uh now one thing yeah, that uh, uh you need to make clear to our audience again is uh, what the documentary is about because they do sure. not remember the original interview
2: Well, sure. Well, let let me give you the slightly longer version of the story. Uh, Around 2003, I went to a Christmas party in the Hollywood Hills, and I had a lot of friends of mine that were fairly well-known comedians and writers for television. I was literally the only person in the room that you would not know. If you you enjoy comedy programming at all, it was just me uh, as the sort of lone guy wandering around trying to connect. Uh, I walked up to a group of people that were talking to try to find a conversational on-ramp. And when I started to speak, uh, this very big A-list film actor says, oh, I don't think I've met you yet. My name is so-and-so. He says, you know, what do you do? And I said, well, I work in reality shows. And he gets really quiet. <laughs> and then he punched me in the shoulder and he goes, someday for you, buddy. And he turned his back physically to block me from the rest of the group and just continued to talk to the group. And I was so upset about that. I went out to my car and I was like, God, can't we all just, you know, like, just it's a Christmas party for crying out loud. Like, can we not dump on each other just for one minute in reality television? So the documentary was about, uh, it's called Remember We're Not Here. It's about the people who work on reality shows and just generally how we're received by the rest of Hollywood uh, and people who either enjoy our work or really, really dislike our work. Um, You might remember uh, last, I think it was last year in May, I had a piece came out in the Washington Post uh, that was called Five Myths About Reality Television. And I kind of got, you know, we were going back and forth about what the five myths were. And one of the things I was really thinking about is, you know, where people are constantly talking about how the only reason we have this president that we have, whether you like him or not. But the only reason we have him is because he was a big reality TV star that we somehow made him look like a great businessman. And my argument was, you've had 40 years of fawning articles and everything from GQ and Vanity Fair to, you know, putting the guy in TV commercials, making him spokes a spokesman for brands, and you want to blame the very last thing he did for legitimizing him. He's had 40 years of press. Well, it set a record, I think, for negative comments. <laughs> At the Washington Post, five hundred and thirteen negative comments, including "Why don't you and your maggot friends own up to the fact that you're responsible for the feces whole America has become," which I thought was a bit much. Sheesh. Yeah, yeah just but, a bit. Just but that bit. whole but the whole documentary is about you know there are people like even when I worked on Fear, uh, you look a, you look at that staff on Fear. Um, you had uh, a guy that went on to become a co-executive producer on Thirty Rock, who won an Emmy for writing. Uh, the sitcom Uh, another guy that went off and became a writer for SNL Um, it was a really really talented group of people who really have to work very hard to put this material together and I think dismissing all of it does a disservice to the stuff that's good just as if I were to dismiss and just say movies suck because eighty percent of movies aren't great you know I'm pretty sure that you know there's an awful lot of reality TV out there that you know I can't explain its success or even how it gets made uh but gee whiz like let's let's realize that it's a very hit or miss creative endeavor just like any kind of art it's super subjective and can't we all just kind of get along and that's what the documentary is really about it's just about the you know the people behind the scenes and just sort of how they cope with the way they're received by uh the public their work is received by the public
1: Wow. wow. Well, first of all, that A-lister who shall remain remain nameless that is that isn't even that goes beyond reality show uh, production. That just goes being a decent person. So, what if you had said that you were a school teacher, or that you uh, you know were an architect? Would just like maybe one day you'll be on a show about architecture? I mean, the idea that you're completely dismissed based on what it was you were doing um you had no value as far as in having a discussion with just wow i wish you would i yeah. know you're not going to say who it is but oh no, no, i'd no, love to know
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we all exactly. <laughs> yeah you know that's just a that's a lack of home training so you know if it it, it just happened to be you it yes. seems that's a lack of home training oh wow fine.
2: it's what it is and it's and that's the thing too is i realize we're not yeah, you know, there's another side of the documentary. It's like we're not we're not exactly curing cancer, <laughs> making reality shows. Right,
0: right. right, right. But you know we're what? We're
2: alleviating I- boredom. That's that's.
0: But I think we can look at a lot of other types of content as well, and maybe the same uh, arguments have been levied at those types of content also. You know, um, even look at something like, okay, TikTok now. (laughs) And and, you know, uh, people talking about the the rubbish that's on there now and how it's not elevating society or whatever the case may be, but everything starts to get value once advertising becomes attached or money can be made from it. So, you know, I think, that that we're seeing now in terms of uh, different social media platforms but you know and they were also levying in the past at older forms of media as well so yes
1: yeah yeah as long as there's people people are going to want to escape their reality that's why drugs have always existed as long as as long as people <laughs> as soon as as soon as people were around they were trying to find ways to alter their state of consciousness and so that's what uh there's all kinds of. when we watch a comedy a scripted comedy it's the same thing as watching a reality kind of comedy people want to escape the drudgery of their their life they want to escape for a little bit a half an hour an hour they want to laugh at somebody's ratchetness or whatever that's what so it, it it isn't different if you're laughing at something scripted or something unscripted. You're still laughing. You're still escaping. You're still getting a little bit of joy. Um, and that whole thing, laughter is the best medicine. It may not be the best medicine because if you have cancer chemo, is probably I'd go with that first. But studies have shown when people are laughing, they you know you're releasing hormones that are uh, actually helping you. So it's a good thing if we can laugh and escape uh, for a little bit.
2: Yeah. No, I absolutely agree, and I'll tell you, I'd much rather be sitting my kid down to tell them they're spending too much time on TikTok than sit down with them and tell them they're spending, you know, too much money, shooting up with their friends somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. And, the, and wow. the truth is, is I one of the things that I have I've really enjoyed this whole sort of democratization of of making entertainment. When you talk about you know what YouTube and TikTok and all these things have done. To the world is you've you've given an opportunity for people to attempt to be creative and a lot of times the the process is the thing that's the reward is i I think there are people out there who make things that they don't care if 300 people watch it and it takes a year to get there it's the joy of of making and feeling like you can put something out and and be out there yourself Mm -hmm. i think it's really great like every once in a while you'll get a real gem that gets around but man i mean it's just it's such a neat thing. It's the same thing. I like about reality television because I mean we talk a lot about I and mean, we were joking earlier about how Every show is like a couple of hot people do this or a couple of hot people do that, right? <laughs> there are a lot of people who are not hot who are doing just fine uh, on YouTube and, and and You know, I Don't know. I'm just I just think it's yeah. a I think it's a neat thing It's like reality TV as I always say, you know Real people always fascinate me at a level that like no scripted people ever can I can I've loved a lot of movies Mm-hmm um, But on reality shows when it's when it's real when the reactions are real when the events feel authentic um it has an ability to touch you in a way that i think movies don't necessarily always achieve or often achieve
1: i should say Mm. oh okay i was gonna say i wanted to say what you what you're saying is absolutely true when it comes to what the stir craziness of the quarantine situation has unleashed this like avalanche of creativity so many people doing videos that have never created content doing really just like it's amazing what what's the imagination that people have that are doing all kinds of other things. Um, I even saw a really neat video that a bunch of nurses did, uh, kind of as a, a PSA on their own. But it was hysterical. It was so well done. And um, I think the real d- uh, democratizer is our phones. Everybody yes. has access to a camera, uh, and um, and everybody has at uh, access to distribution thanks to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and. And yeah. um, it's really got the, the, one of the bright spots of this, you know, kind of rough time. I, I was going to say dark time, but the reality is it's a dark time. Um, has been the explosion of creativity of just regular people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, because, Kevin, we were right on the same trajectory in terms of what you were going to say, I absolutely agree. I love the fact that there is a democratization of of content now. But 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 he, here's the thing, and I want to know what you feel about this. So there are also an awful lot of notables and celebrities that are doing things with with TikTok, with uh, Instagram, with yeah. Oh, oh, the hell. Oh, I'm going to say it.
1: Oh, the hell. Oh. Oh, I know where you're going. Good yeah can, you know Tashi and I can I'm, imagine
2: where you're I'm going I'm already on the
0: I'm already on that train with you yeah, okay. 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 Because uh, yeah, Troy and I actually know each other from social media. So, so it, you know, I, I'm, I'm loving, I love the fact because uh, let's, let's be real for many people, you know, you're only as good as your last gig. You are basically an independent contractor. So no gig, you're not necessarily getting paid unless you've got other things, you know, in the fire. So I definitely take all these uh, platforms, use YouTube, connect with people. But then the, to, there's a thing. I saw an article that was talking about podcasting and the gentrification of the podcasting space. So you've got people like, you know, Kevin and I, people that are just, you know, normal run-of-the-mill folk and you work at, at creating content and putting it out and you spend a lot of damn time doing it but then something happens and here comes celebrities who already have platforms to do things and you surf the whole space now again i'm for get your coins lulu get your coins but i'm also kind of like mm, hashtag side eye and i wanted to know what you felt about that uh there,
2: i think the thing is it all boils down to what what's great content um and i think a lot of celebrities my interpretation of it is i almost feel like they're diluting the brand by being so omnipresent Mm. Uh, on on social media it's sort of like oh my god like i've had i've had enough of this person i don't have to seek them out anymore it's one thing to follow somebody on instagram and it's another thing to have to have them you know posting four times a day there's the product link one out of every four things that they're putting up (laughs) um a lot of it's very a lot of it's really sort of cynically done where i just don't feel like it's that great Uh, i'll tell you of of all the people in the world to follow right now not on instagram i get such a kick out of ariana grande Mm. because her her twitter feed is just so spontaneous and and really sincere um my friend danny franchese who was in mean girls is also a lot of fun to follow on Instagram, he's very upbeat, very positive. He's a big body positivity guy. He's, you know, just a just a really great soul that has something to say, uh, as opposed to only having something to sell. Mm. And I, I think that the nice thing is, I think that everyone's gotten so savvy over the years that I think that even the people, even when you follow a celebrity, I think a lot of people follow a celebrity because they like a celebrity, but they're not checking in on that content because they're not expecting to get much out of it. Okay. Like you'll you know If it's in your feed, you'll scroll through it and it's like a fantastic, you know, so-and-so, hmm. so-and-so is making an omelet, who cares?
1: <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: Yeah, oh, you said something that's really, I think, is important when it comes to the idea of what stars versus celebrity. I have been, I've actually been baffled by the whole idea that people that are movie stars feel like they have to be on social media it's just like because the whole thing that i think part of what made people stars also even in the music business was when they had something to sell like a new album or a new movie they would come out and when they weren't pushing something they were vapor and you didn't see a perfect yes. example to me is like someone like Keanu Reeves you wouldn't know Keanu Reeves even exist on this planet unless he has a movie to sell and, that's then, true. He goes, <laughs> and then he's everywhere but then after that movie is out he I mean he goes into I guess to another dimension or something and yeah. he's only unleashed on us <laughs> back when into he the matrix so he goes back into the <laughs> matrix because it, I actually but I think that's part of what made people stars I think about people like you know big when we used to have really big music stars like someone yeah. like like when Janet Jackson was Janet Jackson yeah it's like when well, she has a new album out and she's there but when that album is out bye and she would vaporize I think that when there's something about when you're watching somebody that that's a movie star making an omelet and here I am dropping my kids off at school yes we just like us but I feel like that takes something away from uh, it does um, well uh, go ahead do you know
2: the do you know the origin of the, the term star no Um, and why there are stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and all that stuff is Sid Grauman being the showman that he is. When you start talking about exhibitions at, uh, the Chinese or the Egyptian prior to the Chinese, he was trying to look for like movie stars were not, uh, looked at the same way. The studios actually almost didn't want you to know who people were. You know, the whole story about Florence Lawrence, the biograph girl that was the big star Mm. and, uh, was trying to get more money out of biograph, couldn't, uh, they did something where they there, someone planted a story about how she had been killed in an accident. When they came back, they said Florence Lawrence, formerly known as the Biograph Girl, is not dead as reported, but she's actually doing this and very much alive. And people started to know who the individual was. You move mm. forward from that as opposed to the bi- you know, the, these stars that were kind of, you know, they they weren't really pulling people into the box office, but. They called them stars because the, the, the idea was that they wanted them to be something in the heavens that was intangible, something you could see but that you could not reach or touch. Um, so Grauman decided that, well, you know, this is, this is American royalty. Um, these are our celebrities because we don't have royals. So that he came up with the idea for the red carpet. He came up with all kinds of uh, of, of like that's well, that's why they show up in limousines. That's why they dress beautifully for these premieres. That wasn't anything that happened before. Um, he was putting these things out. He was trying to make them seem larger than life, mm. and kind of like you could see them at a premiere. You would have these brief windows of access, and that's what made stars. Well, now the the deal is everyone's a star. Um, I did a show with a bunch of people who were huge on YouTube um with it was called uh, fight of the living dead we had jake paul we had hannah stocking we had anwar we had a lot of really really big youtube and, and, yeah and, and, and fousey who was the big guy at the time yeah um brandon bowen like all these all these people who were big on vine and on youtube and it was really weird because they're all people who had completely self-generated their own stuff and they didn't have any of the there was no, there was no concept of scarcity. They were going to put something up, you know, every day or every other day. They had very active Instagram feeds. They were always tangible. They were always touchable. Um, but it's way different than having a star that's only putting something out when there is something very specifically to say. Mm. So it is. I mean, it is different.
0: You, you know, and this is a this is a really interesting conversation. And I know we're going down a rabbit hole, but I'm I'm enjoying this. Don't you think, though, that the consumer of today is different from the consumer of yesteryear or yesterday too much to choose
2: from yeah
0: yeah yeah so i think that um the the detachment of having stars if you're trying to make money it seems doesn't necessarily work with a, a late millennial or early millennial gen z gen alpha audience because they're so used to youtube they're so used to being able to uh have you know make comments underneath somebody's video and they actually get comments back that the aloofness seems not necessarily to work with them Um, yeah
1: but are are you saying that you think that people aren't gonna the gen zers aren't gonna go see spider-man coming home again uh, unless tom holland (laughs) is constantly on youtube no no that's not what i'm
0: saying that's not what i'm saying but what i'm saying is that they're there it's very different now it's not like i don't think it's acceptable for everybody to be aloof and detached because they want to be able to say something and that's what social media created an interactive transactional type of media where you're expecting to get an answer back this is why with live streams you know people why if you're just putting. Uh, old content up on a live stream because you can, like it's a TV uh, station, like it's a television network, but uh, people drop out because yes. the point of live streaming is to be interactive. They want you to acknowledge them when they come in the room and I think it kind of works the same way with um, this concept of stars slash celebrities. I don't know if you agree but...
2: No, I get it. And it's that it's that thing where, you know, we are unfortunately in an age where people are expecting more and more uh out of their out of their heroes out of the people they look up to and that what feels like a personal relationship i just think there are people that are that are so good at navigating it um it feels weird to me when you you you, when there's an instagram or or something for a celebrity and it feels incredibly curated
0: Mm, yeah Um,
2: where it's just like here's a photo of me from 2012 and it's like well what member of your team made that post and dug through the <laughs> archives and found all these photos to post for you. Oh my you god, know? you know what?
1: That reminds me of my favorite thing that like when Oprah's network first launched, she uh, the show, uh, what was the name of the show? The the, the Haves and the Have-Nots. They would have, uh, Oprah's Oprah supposedly was posting watching like a viewing party where she'd be watching the show with the fans watching it. And she would, and she would put up these statements like, Oh my God, that Candace is crazy. Oh my God. I can't believe she said that. Oh my God. And then I'm like, wait a minute. It's like, but every week it was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that Candace said that. It
0: was just like, it's like,
1: wait a minute. It's
0: just like, it's just like these are just, <laughs> that's not generic. what
1: Oprah says. This statement will be work every episode. It will be these generic statements. Like she's like no it was clearly like some uh intern and i was surprised that the intern couldn't actually do more kind of you know you're gonna have an intern do it and pretend to be somebody at least have them actually say things that seem more relevant and not so insanely generic but i see what you guys are are saying but i still think that when it comes to like quote unquote star stars movie stars there should be different from as far as in a youtube star because part of what they're doing is they're constantly churning out content and i i understand that tom holland or any of the avengers will be on social media when they have a new movie coming out but the idea that uh that we need to see um oh my god what's black widow's name the actress scarlett johansson scarlett, scarlett johansson. johansson like making eggs and stuff every morning i don't need to see her like making her coffee every morning um i feel like that diminishes her. you're
0: talking as a gen xer though i'm just saying i think it's different so you're
1: saying that that so you're saying that uh that Gen Zers were like, Well, I was was gonna see her movie, but since she didn't share her making her coffee making process every day I'm not gonna go see No,
0: you. that has nothing to do with the see see Troy, don't mind us. No, but no. The- <laughs> That has nothing to do with whether or not they're going to see a movie that I don't think they're going to say Oh, well, you didn't talk after, to me, so I'm not going to that it's not that deep for them They move on to the next but what I am saying is that the whole industry is embroiled with the whole social media thing in fact um, um, I was telling uh, talking to coca the other day so i'm actually friends with coco brown the comedian and she was saying you know when it comes up for when you're going in for roles and reading and stuff for some people yeah if, if you're not like an a if you're an a-list star that's one thing but if you're not then it's like well how many social media followers does yes. she have how many people do you have on instagram so it's not about the aloofness anymore they want to know do you have a following because they want that following to come and watch the movie you're so it's right. Very, very different now. Well, you know what? Oh no! I'm sorry. Go go, ahead, please. I I was just going to say, you you know
2: that uh, executives are are running scared (laughs) these days in a way they haven't before. Is that I I read an article? Maybe it's maybe two years old at this point, where the average shelf life of a development executive uh, in alternative at a network is something like 18 months. Wow! Because it's like we want results right away. We want results right away. It's why you're seeing so many things get adapted. People talk so much about like the reboots and everything else. It's because everyone wants to go to proven material. We want to buy a show that was made in Israel that we know people already watched. You want to get a show from Denmark that people already watched. You want to watch this host, <coughs> and the 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 Instagram followers and all other stuff is just a weird metric that they've chosen to legitimize how many eyeballs they think they can direct to something. Mm. And it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel right. Mm-mm.
1: Well, also, the idea that translate the idea that because I, I follow somebody on Twitter means that I'm going to basically see whatever TV show or whatever kind of content they generate based on the fact that I like their Twitter feed to yes. me is a mistake.
0: Yeah, to think. but that. it might. But it, it, it's a, it may be a mistake to think that, but it might. People, I, I'm telling you, social media really resonates with people to the fact that if I follow your account and I see what you're doing here. I'm going to see what you're doing when you get to a linear platform. I'm going to want to see what's up when you're on a linear platform. And I think it works both ways. Those people who started linear and then are doing social media stuff now and the other way around, people who started on social media and now are starting to get attention from networks, from uh, you know producers, etc. So I, I just think I, I don't disagree with you, Kevin, not at all. But I, I think that it's starting to shift. And we have to realize that the younger people get the more different differenter? That's not a word, but I'm using it. Different-er more, more different er. More more different. I like differenter. The different <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna use that. Things uh, are when it comes to who we consider stars, how we consider them, and the level of relationship we want to have with them. See, I think this is another thing. I think uh, back in the day, the level of relationship that we wanted to have with them is not the same as now. Now, I think people want to, while maybe not best friends, they expect to be answered back. They expect to um, get something from you. Whereas back in the day, we didn't. If somebody looked at you, and like, he looked at me.
1: No I under, I understand that and uh, but I understand the idea that, of thinking that social media numbers is currency but mm-hmm. we are we know for a fact that people fake I mean uh, speaking of uh, the former star of our, uh, uh, apprentice star how many uh uh, they're calculated it's like how many like you know tens of millions of his followers are bots and so you can basically there's people you can pay to all to to have people follow you on twitter or instagram uh there's there's houses when it comes to like youtube there's like there's places where you can actually pay money and they actually have a whole bunch of like uh 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 screen setup to basically move your view numbers so a lot of these things can be fixed and faked so the idea that you're basing your decision on who should have a show or who you should cast in a role based on numbers that can be fudged uh just seems like a fool's errand as opposed to adjusting your own trusting your own judgment as far as in, this person is funny this person is talented this is a good actor versus social media success quote or quote unquote yeah. Because if that were the case, why wouldn't Kim Kardashian star in every movie?
0: Because she's not a good actress. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> she, she's she's she's, she's well, not. Appara- she's
2: just... Apparently, you didn't see that West Hollywood production of Porgy and Bess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Uh,
1: Incredible. Oh like, let's wait not a fight in front of company. That was right. that wasn't her. That wasn't her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I,
0: I got it, was, it was kylie. it was kylie it was kylie all right <laughs> so <Okay. laughs>
1: let's move on to the uh, the top five portion of this interview that went way longer than we thought it would but you're so fascinating we you're you're stop. amazing no. yeah oh, so let's let's uh start off with your your number five favorite show of all time
2: I have to work backwards this is
1: this is some math
2: yeah we're moving up to number one. that that adds that adds to the drama
1: yes Uh,
0: well
2: and here's what i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna exclude shows i've worked on
0: okay okay just to
2: just to make it interesting because i would i would it it would be a totally different show if i had to do that and people would probably call me and go how come i'm number five uh if i was going to go for number five i would probably say project runway Woo! Uh, it's every incarnation is good uh, I just this last season I honestly think it's one of the best they've ever had wow. I was really really I was really really a big fan of it I think uh, the the cha- the change in hosts a little while ago uh, while something I dread because i I, I dearly miss <laughs> uh, dearly miss the original hosts mm. um, I, I just I think they've done an, an admirable job it's a lot of fun to watch it's one of the only things i actually dvr'd this last year
1: oh wow so okay i, I want to just make one thing clear these are just your favorite top five shows period it's not just reality right it's just your favorite period
2: top or... five top five shows period i'm going to get into don't worry if okay. i'm allowed to I, would talk just, about I, would, I just i just want to
1: make sure for the listeners that they know that this is not going to just yes. you're not just talking oh reality. heck no heck no okay
0: all right that, that that's awesome you know um the last time we talked i think uh we talked about uh, rea- uh some reality and i love project runway fashion is my life so good good to- good pick
1: so uh, that's well, i do want to ask you, what do you think about the idea that sometimes refreshing a show by having new host can that basically breathe new life and energy into a show that's been a long-running staple
2: I think it's always possible uh, I would rather see new people hosting than see this constant fiddling with the actual format and execution of the show this thing where every season we've got to up the stakes or make it bigger or make it different or have a thing where you know everybody has to do the same challenges but they have to piggyback with a little person it's just like why are why are you Why do you feel like you have to change that in order for things to work for us as viewers? We, we, we understand how it works. If you want to throw an occasional surprise into something, but it's just complicating and complicating and complicating it, it gets to the point where it's like, you know, a a really great watch tells time and everything else it does is kind of superfluous. That's how I feel about television shows. Mm. You start, you start to play around with too much or you fiddle around with the things we loved about it before. Um, I don't know. I, again, it's that desperation where whatever happened, whatever happened last season isn't going to be good enough this season. We have to change it. We have to make it bigger and, and more stakes. It's like stockholders don't ever want to go through a period of, of growth at a company where they're in, reinvesting in the company. They just want to see more money coming in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you so much for saying that because that's one of the things that bugs me is the idea that they don't trust what they created in the first place. And also I think that some of the reality shows seem to have lost the focus on the idea that the star of the show, A, was the premise, but B, was the different personalities we would get each season. So having challenges where they have to have one arm tied behind their back or whatever out of nowhere or like you said, like tied to somebody and all these kinds of stupid things that they throw in there is just no, the dynamics that if you're, if you cast correctly, you give us new dynamic people and new interesting mixes of people. Yes, That's man. what's gonna keep us coming back. Not some new up, upside down design challenge where you're hung upside yes. down and make a dress and you just ugh, really.
0: <laughs> <sighs> I'd love to see that by the way, anyway. <laughs> see, you're, oh, you're making it worse. You're making it worse. <laughs>
1: All right, so what's your number four? Well,
0: the,
2: my number four show script or unscripted of all time is The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, which I'm sure none of your listeners are familiar with.
0: Or the hosts. <laughs> or the
2: hosts. <laughs> <laughs> the Many Loves of Dobie Gillis was a show that starred Dwayne Hickman uh, and Bob Denver. If you remember Bob Denver, oh, who played
0: yes. Gilligan. And, Before Gilligan.
2: Yes. And it was basically uh, Dwayne Hickman played Dobie Gillis, who was this guy who was always trying to figure out how to find the one girl he was going to be in love with. He wasn't girl crazy. He just he, he just wanted one great girl just to have. And uh, Sheila Kuhl, who you know uh, from her political career, uh, played um, Zelda, who was the, the, the gal that you sort of felt that he was destined for all along, but she was a little bit more plain and a little more straightforward. And he was always wanting to court Tuesday Weld, who was Thalia Menninger, this very beautiful, wealthy girl. Warren Beatty was the guy on the show that, that Thalia was always kind of, you know, in love with, that Dobie could never kind of beat her. Um, it was a really, really, really well-written, well-executed, thoughtful show that was ahead of its time as far as sometimes the maturity of the content. Um, but it was still very much a sitcom, but it just it felt – I don't know. It, 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 was, it was a really, really great piece of work.
0: Wow.
1: So are you working on rebooting it? I am. I am not. <laughs> I, I, would,
2: I wouldn't want to see it with anybody other than the original cast. The guy that played uh, Doby's father, who ran the grocery store, who was always sick of having to give him money to go on dates. His catchphrase was "I'm going to kill that boy," which you never would ever hear anybody say now. No, <laughs> but it's just he would always get so frustrated. One of these days, I'm going to have to kill that boy. And the boy would be like, "He's he's just trying to meet people." No, it's
1: kind of wow. like this. It's kind of like The Simpsons. It's just like the whole long-running gag of Homer strangling his son. Yes, just yep. like that would never, <laughs> that would yep. never fly now.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well,
1: wow, wow. wow. that is an and that is a deep cut. That is a very interesting pick. Yeah, over. I'm
2: going to have
0: to check this out now.
2: There's a lot There's a lot of them that I'll be avoiding for the rest of the list. Um, just honorable mentions like Car 54, Where Are You? which was a show that was created by a guy named Nat Hyken who also did the Phil Silver show and a lot mm. of that stuff. Oh, um, you know what?
1: I have to ask you, so these, since I, I brought up reboots, yeah. what it, now there was a movie version of that. I believe it starred uh, Rosie O'Donnell. What did you think of what do you think of some of have, have you ever seen a successful version of that where you took a TV show that 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 I shouldn't say successful cuz like Charlie's Angels the movies were successful but yes. what did you have it's, there anything that you've actually liked that the original version that you thought okay this uh you know Dukes of Hazard the movie um actually works for you
2: you know it's, personally? it's I, w- I wouldn't say that i wouldn't say that i have there there are not a lot that i like there's some where i just enjoyed seeing the person again mm. um there was a, a a movie that was that just it had so much trouble getting going. I don't know if you know the whole history of a movie called The Nude Bomb. It was no, a do tell. It was a reboot, not a reboot, but a revisitation of uh, Get Smart.
0: Ah, okay. Uh, and
2: The Nude Bomb came out in the 80s. When I was still young and basically I was seeing that around the same time I was seeing Get Smart for the first time. And it's just a lot of it felt a little forced and a little weird and if you watch um, The blu-ray like leonard stern is such a an incredible writer and creator um that i just feel like he was super marginalized (laughs) over the course of the making of that film which alan spencer who's the guy who created sledgehammer if anyone's old enough to remember sledgehammer um alan spencer does a really nice commentary on the nude bomb dvd about you know the difficulty in getting the film made and and you know what everybody was going
1: through
0: wow
2: but I generally, generally don't enjoy movie versions of television programs.
1: Okay, um, so even, so, if you do enjoy it, it's, for, it's to see the original cast if they are bringing anybody back. Because most times is. when they're when they're revisiting something, they're they're it's a it's a new cast playing yes. the original characters. Uh, and I,
2: okay. ha, I have nostalgia problems anyway, so I'm, I'm going to try to keep the rest of this list fairly current.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. Well, let's move on to the rest of the list. What is your number three? My number three, oddly
2: enough, you just mentioned it would probably be The Simpsons
1: yay oh, wow it's
2: <laughs> it's consistently one of the best things on television uh it is as, as far as where you know great writers and and, and and producers are made it's 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 had everybody i've ever really admired on its writing staff at, at one point or another um just just really incredible people Algina and mike rice are are incredible uh dana gould wrote for them for a long time uh dana who i don't know i have it's funny i have this little comedy bubble that i i love comedy so much that i never know who anybody knows outside of that that center (laughs) um but dana gould is a is a fantastic writer he he created um stan versus evil that was just on ifc for a couple years um brilliant writer with a great another great podcast uh it's just a it's just a great show. It's consistently funny, it's interesting. It's not something that I ever feel is too hip. Like I love South Park, but there are some times where I feel like it's 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 very cutting edge, but it, it doesn't have the warmth I think that you get in The Simpsons.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I know what you mean. I think
2: there's a point of connectivity in it that's different than any other show uh, that's ever been. So you can, we can talk about Family Guy, Bob's Burgers, and all kinds of great animation, but mm. I'm, I'm going to stick with The Simpsons if I have to represent. Yeah,
1: and, and also I think the like, difference between The Simpsons and South Park is South Park feels, a couple, episodes, couple of seasons ago, feels super dated compared to The Simpsons. Shelf Life just feels so much, it, it feels like the show's still... You can watch uh, the Simpsons to me five six years ago episodes, right. and they still feel fresh. Versus the other uh, South Park feels part of being. I think the 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 downside of being that cutting edge is it feels old very quickly.
2: It does. Right. They're they're very they're very they're very topical. It's a fun show to watch, but there are certain certain time you know something falls out of the media, and you're like, well, I don't I don't quite understand this episode because it's been ten years now. Um. But it's very well done, very well written.
0: Wow! All right. So, Great. what is
1: your uh, what is your number two?
2: Uh, my my number two. This is very hard because I've been flip flopping. Uh, number two and number one. In, in, we in feel your head.
1: pain. We feel your pain. We Especially go through this Kevin. a lot.
2: Especially I'm gonna Kevin. Say, I'm gonna say number two is Cheers. Ah, Cheers. Which yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it, it's the it's the mashed potatoes of television. It's the comfort food uh the comfort food selection um cheers the thing i always enjoyed about that was again it's i'm very big on the sort of level of humanity in shows um there is an episode that got me very early on when i was young uh and it was called um let me count the ways was the name of the episode and diane chambers played by Shelley long has a a family cat that passes away and she has this very strong emotional connection to the cat, and everyone in the bar is kind of almost making fun of how this is such a, a nothing, thing for her to be upset about. And she delivers this big thing about all the things in her life the cat was there for, and what the cat represents to her. And you can't watch that episode and not cry because you felt that way. And it's a mm. really, it's a really funny show, and it has nice little, you know, odd elements. But it, I just, I just think that it, it always kind of comes back to being a really. You can really connect with that show and a lot of it is the way that jim burrows directs everything (laughs) is you know he does great comedy pieces but he he really also knows uh you know dialogue and cadence and and how to amp things up in ways that you're not thinking about I, i i watched him direct a mike and molly episode once where he turned his back on the conversation while it was while it was happening and he wasn't looking at monitors he was just was listening to the pace of the conversation and making his decisions as a director based on the pacing of the conversation hmm. and i just think that there's something super authentic about about everything he does but cheers being the first example and being the one he always refers to as you know his his child um i i, I still think it's the best example of his work and just one of the best examples we've ever had of a, a great sitcom in america
1: okay you did something incredible there by uh talking about one of your favorite episodes so i absolutely am kicking myself for not asking you so i'm going to ask you now what is one or some of your favorite episodes of the simpsons because tachi and i both love the simpsons so much we can talk about it just like to the nth degree but i can't believe we let you slip by without asking you what your favorite episode of the simpsons is
2: uh i like the the monorail episode is probably one of my favorites where they're bringing the they're bringing the monorail to Springfield? Oh, <laughs> uh, North Haverbrook. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I like that one very much. I like the episode where they went to Branson because it's my favorite joke in the history of The Simpsons. Is when Grandpa Simpson has been looking at all these acts, and and Tennessee Ernie Ford comes out from backstage, and he's like tennessee ernie ford i know you're dead and he goes no i'm not dead and he goes i have your obituary right here and he takes it out <laughs> tennessee tennessee ernie ford just blows away like at the end of the Avengers yes! game he just <laughs> turns into the dust when confronted with his own obituary <sighs> um, yeah those would, those would probably be among my favorites the pilot is incredible Um, oh yeah the very first and and i don't know this this again a deep cut from the 80s i don't know if you remember a cartoonist named mimi pond who was very popular in the 80s yes um mimi pond actually wrote the first episode of the simpsons
1: what, the the, mm. the which was the Christmas episode? Are you talking yes. about that or is that one, the it's
2: the one with Santa's Little Helper?
1: Santa's yeah. Little Helper, where yeah. they get the dog. Okay, that's the yeah. that is the first one. Okay, oh wow, all right, wow. That is a Deep cut. Now, just in case for those fans out there of Dobie Gillis, do you yes. have a favorite Dobie Gillis episode you want to mention?
2: I couldn't name a favorite episode of Dobie Gillis.
1: It's all been right. so long
2: since I've watched it back to back, but I didn't just notice yesterday. I think it's running for free on Amazon Prime. So oh
1: wow! Oh, that, that, uh, thank you very much. That's to, great information. Those people information. out there that want to check it, check it out. That uh, uh, may have not have had any idea where to go look for it. So Amazon Prime Video. That's right. And also, Car Fifty Four. Is there a favorite that you want to uh, mention or to point us towards? I
2: I also couldn't do I also couldn't do that. I like all of them. Alright, okay. you'll get a better Recommendation
1: than that, all of yeah, them I'm are sorry. good
2: I'm <laughs> sorry There aren't a lot of dead episodes, especially with Nat Hyken shows Like, oh my god, the guy is brilliant
0: wow. Alright,
1: so Oh my god, drum roll, please I was going to say, it'll be added In post, alright So, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Insert drumroll here Okay, so. <laughs> so
1: What is your number one Favorite show of all Time, that's better than The Simpsons, I can't wait to hear what it is
2: god it's like I'm almost I'm almost embarrassed no to talk about how much I liked it Um, it's old uh, it's new it's all kinds of everything Uh, it is complete trash and yet beautiful at the same time I am of course referring to dr. who Yes!
0: yes 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 Yes, I am a Hoovian to the core. Oh, my God. Oh, really?
1: oh, my God. Yes. You know, Tachi aspires uh, to be a, com- uh, a doctor's companion. A, a, so, t- yeah. I do. A
2: tip of the sonic screwdriver to you both.
0: Thank um, you. Thank wow. you so much. And I'll <laughs> tell you,
2: in, in, recent, in recent years, now, I was watching that show back when, you know, I, I, I was watching with Tom Baker regenerated into Peter Davison. <laughs> oh. It, I've been watching the show for a while. And wow. what I'm finding really interesting is there are certain things like that. Do you watch the Christmas episodes? Oh, every year. Every year. I, I think the Christmas episodes are some of the most fun things that have ever been on TV.
0: They are um, so much fun. I agree. They really are. They're,
2: they're just they're just beautifully done. Um, it's, it's well written. It's, I don't know. I mean, it's just, and it's, it's consistent. What's the, the funny thing is I've never seen a thing that is so different from season to season but it's so consistently entertaining. It's very aware of its own lore. It doesn't break any of its own rules ever.
0: Um, Just a great show. And, exactly. And, you know, the whole thing is you you even forgive the uh, original episodes and their cardboard robots oh, and sure. such. It's like that's the best you can bloody do. But you forgive it just because of the writing, just because of the world it draws you into. So I have to do this. Uh, we can't let you get away with without. I need to know who is your favorite doctor or do you have a favorite doctor? Uh, I have I have a favorite doctor,
2: and it, it feels strange to say. I mean, it's like Tom Baker was my favorite for years, but I'm so such a fan of Tennant. Yes. <laughs> did, yes. Did you, did you see him? On, there was a series called Good Omens.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, we, we, reviewed we, re- we reviewed Good Omens. Good Omens. Yeah. yeah.
2: He, he he was absolutely fan. He's such a such a great actor, and in a way where he doesn't have to be swimming in machismo to be a a dynamic male force in a in a story
0: absolutely agree he has this um there's this quirkiness to him but that quirkiness is is is, it just works for him i absolutely love david tennant in fact uh kevin knows that he's my husband in my head so, so hats off to you for that pick. Well, boy, was yeah. I Kevin movie. also knows so that there's a restraining
1: order against you know. Tachi. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> <Go> <laughs> Sorry, what did you say? What did you say, uh, Troy? I missed the last. You oh, said I don't that. even remember. Oh, that's okay. We're swimming in the uh, sea of Doctor Who. Who does? Yes, it's. Oh, okay. wow. I, I well, know it's, about,
2: it's an odd choice because there are so many other incredible shows. I hate to do favorite lists anyway because I think they're so overdone but those would be they, my
0: five. They are, and I think you have you have favorites at different times. You have um, favorites depending on, you know, in different genres, yes. so, you know, it, 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 it's difficult. That's why we cheat so much when it comes to these lists, our top fives, because it's like there's well, sure. so many.
2: And it's like, how yeah, there's get, always how do how do a
1: get, lot of honorable mentions.
2: Well, how do I get through that list without The Office? How do I get through the list without, you know, so many of these other really incredible, like, The Office I could watch forever.
1: Well, that's part of. It. I think it is. It really is a muscle, and it makes you kind of uh, you. You work out when you try to really narrow down what is you know that whole desert island kind of question. If you could only have take these five shows with you to a desert island, which would they be, and why? And it makes you really look at well, what what this show means to you. And I really love what, you're, what your what you what you said about Cheers, and what was it that touched touched you about that show? Really says a lot about who you are as a person. And I think that why we do so many top. Fives is because i feel like i learned so much more about tachi we refer she refers to us as tv twins but it i'm i'm i never stop being fascinated by hearing why people love what they love yeah love it and that's why it's interesting to me to keep doing these kinds of lists because it's and, and you learn more about yourself i learn about more about myself when i'm trying to narrow down what is, what did, why why were these the top five and why did I choose them and what, what is it that I love about them? And hearing why you love what you love, you really opened up a window into who you are, I think, to us. So I appreciate that very much.
2: My my pleasure. And, it, and in parting, may I please tell you, if you have not seen Dispatches from Elsewhere, check it out.
1: Okay, never even heard the term Dispatches <laughs> from Elsewhere. Please tell us where we can maybe check it out.
2: It's, it's running on AMC. Uh, it's Jason Siegel from How I Met Your Mother. Uh, it's this very sort of mystical, magical thinking, otherworldly experience with uh, it's got Sally Field in it. Uh, and Richard E. Grant, who is one of my favorite people to see anywhere anytime. Uh, but a really, really, really interesting show.
1: Wow. another great honorable mention, yes. I can't believe it. We've, we've come to the end of this show, this interview with Troy. Thank you so very much for being on the show again. We, we can't believe we tricked you. Into, I mean, we got you again to be on. <laughs> We're so excited.
2: I guarantee you the self-isolation has nothing to do with my availability. <laughs>
0: so, well, thank you so much, Troy. We love you to the moon and back. So thank you so much. We can't wait to have you back. I'll be around that well, we all will so um you know what kevin should i tell them places where we get
1: yeah, okay, tachi how can people listen to the show other than now they're listening right at this moment if they want oh, if they yeah. want to do it a different way they want to mix it up
0: if you want to mix it up a little bit as kevin likes to say you can listen to us in a myriad of ways we're on stitcher apple Podcasts, google podcast spotify pandora tune in radio iHeartRadio. radio wjmsradio.com on Tuesdays and Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern 2 p.m. Pacific and if you forget all of that all you have to do is go to tvchanneling.com and click episodes and you can listen to the latest ones and by the way while you're listening on your favorite podcasting app why don't you go ahead and subscribe because then Anytime anything new drops, you'll get it first. I mean, why would you not? You're already listening, so you might as well go ahead and subscribe. And while you're there, it would be incredibly kind if you would leave a review, a nice one.
1: Yeah, we, we, we're we we're not even thinking about anything other than that. And if, if that's another thing, you're you're still listening, so you must have liked it somewhat. Come on,
2: not available Come on vinyl cassette. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. And actually, before I ask, uh, well, before we talk about social, Troy, how can people reach you if they're interested in um, hearing or seeing um, about the progress of Remember We're Not Here or to purchase any of your books? How can they reach you?
2: Well, for Remember Not Here, you can always check in on the progress of the film at Remember We're Not Here on Instagram. Uh, no apostrophe, all the words smushed together. Remember We're Not Here. Say it very quickly Remember We're Not Here. that's that's where you find me on instagram uh you can find me on facebook just as troy devold uh check in anytime would uh would love to hear from you on twitter i'm story troy and reality tv troy take your pick uh and if you want to reach me any other place just throw up the sash and scream out the window i'll be there on the double
0: wow (laughs) (laughs) that's good to know put up put up the troy signal all so, right so, <laughs> so kevin with all of, with all of that if people wanted to let us know what they uh, thought about the episode or they had a question for troy and can't remember any of the ways that he then said i'll just <laughs> i'll just go on tv <laughs> channeling and ask troy that way how can they reach us all right <laughs> you can reach us
1: on social media in a myriad of ways you can uh, reach us on facebook you can reach us on instagram and twitter we are tv channeling everywhere and we'd love to hear from you so if there's a show you'd like us to review uh, if you have a question for troy then <laughs> we will get it to him um uh, if there's something going on in pop culture that you want to hear our take on let us know
0: and with that we're going to get going thank you so very much for listening it's because of you that we do this we appreciate all your comments and we appreciate your uh, reviews and for listening once again with that We're signing off the way we always do. Goodbye from Tachi.
1: And goodbye from Kevin. And remember, if you're watching it, yeah, we're talking about it. Even under quarantine.
0: Yes, cheers.
1: Bye.